Hello and welcome to Upon Further Review. Semi-State is getting ready to show down this Friday night around Northeast Indiana. Well, well, well representative, by the way, of teams that are still vying for that trip down to Indy. But tonight on the podcast, we've got uh, Brett Rump is going to come on. We'll talk a little bit with Brett about uh, kind of up to date where we're at right now. Any surprises that maybe he feels and who would be that MVP thus far in the tournament? Then we'll have uh, Kamari Juarez, the Snyder High School wide receiver, Eastern Michigan commit. We'll talk to him. Of course, he had the big kickoff return uh, for a touchdown, about 80 yards when Snyder was down 21 to nothing and looked bleak. That play alone turned the tide for the Panthers and enabled them to escape Mishawaka with a huge victory. And then we'll bring in Nick Thompson from Bishop Lewis High School. The one thing about Nick is he plays both sides of the ball, and I don't know if he's a wide receiver or he's a or DB because he plays both of them well, and the University of Toledo secured his commitment. So we got two Division One. Uh, kids coming on tonight talking a little football alongside Eric Dukevich. I'm the coach, Shannon Griffith. And Eric, I tell you, uh, Lures really took control, and, and, and you could tell the difference between a team that has been there and a team that has not been there. Yeah, I mean, they got up early in that one, and, and I can't say that's entirely surprising, you know, because I think Lures – you know, especially what they were able to do in the first couple of weeks of sectionals to 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 really put it on the, their opponents and and uh, a really solid win against uh, East Side, you throw in there as well. And so I think for this one, it was kind of one of those things being a house uh, money game in that regard, as far as playing at home, playing at regionals, uh, and playing against a team like Bluffton. That you know, congratulations to them, a wonderful yeah. season to say the least. But I think you know, realistically. The, the, the sand in the hourglass had kind of run up on their season, mm. but, uh, you know, a lot to be proud of there. But, yeah, Lures looked incredible, and, and uh, you know, I know we'll have Nick Thompson later. He's he's one of those guys that has really come on strong for that Bishop Lures team uh, as the season has worn on because it, it was kind of a slower start for him. And, and you know, and it, it, it took oh, for a while for him to kind of enter the fold and really uh, – play up to what we can see from him and it's been special to watch what he's been able to do especially in the playoff run uh so far but yeah lures look superior for certain around here in that class 2a and i think um you know that that showed again yet friday night yeah and i think the biggest thing that it's helped lures thus far and this is about you know helps them coming down into the 2a realm is up front they were able to dominate again they established the run game you know hogue had a pretty really good game uh they were able to really move the football running the game they got sloppy here and there during the game it was kind of got out of sync but you know lures you know had control of the game and bluffed in like you said very young team, a lot of juniors, so a lot of promising players coming back to them next year that I think will uh, give them a shot to hopefully get back into these tournaments because now they've got that experience. And until you get that experience in the tournament, it uh, it can be a little bit daunting of a task to get beyond it. And they played a little bit like that on Friday night, hesitant at times, 
maybe a little bit in awe of lures, you know, from that standpoint. But uh, what a year they had knocked off Eastbrook. That was a, you know, monumental game to get to this game. But the other teams did well. You know, Carroll goes to Lafayette. Jeff gets a great victory. I was able to catch the last few minutes of that game. And here's the thing. Lafayette, Jeff, down 21-20, had the ball on the less than one-yard line on fourth down. I mean, they only need a field goal to win it. They played like they were playing – they were down six, and they went for it. They got stopped, okay? So that was one stop for Carroll's defense. Then Lafayette, Jeff, gets the ball back. They drive it down again. They're in field goal range. They need a field. They need three points. That's it. They decide to throw the football. They ha- they were in field goal range, in my opinion, and they threw a pick. And so Carroll's defense steps up in that latter part of the game to secure that hard fought win. And another team that was down for pretty much the entire game. Yeah, and that was a really interesting play call because watching it from home myself. I, I was like, you know, they're in field goal range here. You know, let's kind of run out, run that clock a little bit it, mm-hmm. from the Lafayette Jefferson perspective and then kick the field goal. Um, but yeah, and Jorge Valdez makes that incredible yeah. interception uh, to seal that victory. And it's on to semi state for the first time ever uh, for the Carroll Chargers. Uh, another one, Snyder. Uh, we, we will yes. talk to Kamari Juarez later. I mean, they were down 21 to nothing in the first half and to storm back with 35 unanswered points and then put it away late 41 to 27 over uh, a very good Mishawaka team in that wishbone offense. I think coach, you know, we talk about a weekend week out cause we, we see these different teams with the, the wishbone or that flex offense or, or that, that interesting uh, style of play. I think it took Snyder a little bit of time mm-hmm. from a defensive perspective uh, in real live game scenario to figure that out. But I think that second half, that defense came alive. Lucas Rohrbacher, Brandon Logan, uh, they were able to really capitalize and and really throw off kilter Mishawaka. And that, in turn, helped Snyder battle back and, and get that huge win at the regional and head to semi-state for the first time since 2016. Well, We'll have a chance to recap some more of these with, you know, Adam Central win. Unfortunately, Columbia City went down to defeat to Kokomo. But let's bring in our first guest, the, the voice of Northeast Indiana High School Sports, the voice of Mastodon Basketball, <laughs> Mr. Brett Rump. Rumpy, how you doing, my man? Uh, doing well. Uh, <laughs> things kind of went according to chalk as I, as I predicted them on Friday night. So uh, yeah, feeling pretty good about how things went so far and hoping for a good week in uh, semi-state. Yeah, your picks came out pretty good. You're pretty close on a few of the scores, weren't you? Uh, not too far off. I yeah. mean, it's it's really hard. You got no common opponents. You really, you know, you know that this defense might be better than any other defense they've seen, but what does that mean? Does that mean they'll, you know, score one or two touchdowns? Does this mean they'll score three? I mean, you know, it's it's tough at this time of year. I'm just glad if I can get the winner right because <laughs> some of these games, you guys had me a little nervous on Friday. I thought I was going to have like a one in four week, and then all of a sudden Snyder and uh, Carroll both bailed me out. Yeah, they they had some huge huge wins and that's what you got to do when you play on the road in the in the tournament, you know. It's you got to you got to hang by, hang tough 
Snyder, of course, had the biggest hill to climb and being down as much as they were, but they were able to, you know, find that whatever they left on the bus, because I don't think they got off the bus for the first half. <laughs> but but uh, what were your thoughts of the Lures bluffing game? Um, kind of as expected. I felt like Lures be, or uh, Bluffton being a younger squad, so many juniors. I feel like it was a bit of a magical yeah. run. I think the matchups, they had favorable matchups for them, teams that they could match up with pretty well. And then it was just going to be who executes better. But uh, against Bishop Lures, I felt like it was maybe a mismatch as far as athleticism. I thought the yeah. only chance Bluffton had was if they could win the line of scrimmage. And I don't really feel like they did that. Mm -hmm. So credit to Lures all the way around. I thought they had a uh, uh, just a solid game plan. The offense, they were able to throw it. They were able to run it. Uh, and, and again, I think it's important, even though it didn't pan out, I think it's important this time of year to try to put your opponent on their heels, where right. all of a sudden, you know, they come in with a game plan and maybe you shake it up a little bit by getting that two score, three score advantage in the first half. And, uh, and that's why I give a lot of credit to Carol and Snyder, because what they did at this time of year against the competition they're facing, that, that, that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's one thing during the regular season to come back on an opponent, but you've got teams that are already confident that are already playing good football that have already won a title. And, uh, you know, they come out and they stomp you 21 to nothing at the start of the game. That takes a lot of character, resiliency. And so I, I give I give both those teams, Snyder and yeah. Carroll, a ton of credit for what they did. What um, looking at the tournament as a whole, now that we're kind of getting to that point where a lot of teams have kind of dropped to the side and everything, any surprise teams in your mind, uh, you know, maybe did better than would have thought or or because I think the Summit Athletic Conference right now as a whole may be a little bit better than everybody thought. Yeah, I mean, so far it's looking like, you know, Carroll can can compete with anybody. I think they'll obviously have the toughest test they'll face right. coming up this Friday. But, um, you know, what Carroll was able to do on the road, Snyder, of course, the number one ranking and the comeback on the road at Mishawaka. Um, you know, if, if there's a surprise for me in the entire tournament, it's not who won, it's who lost. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm still in shock over what happened in Norwell. That defense, I thought, right. was one of the best in the state, if not the best in the state. And for Yorktown to put up um, 42 points against them, I'm I'm still in shock. And just can't <laughs> believe that's – I thought if they would lose, it would be 7-3. They'd have trouble getting, you know, getting – I thought nine in the box, take away the running game. And if the passing game's not there that night because of wind or conditions – Maybe Norwell would have trouble offensively, but I thought the one thing they could really hang their hat on was their defense. And it was ultimately the defense that let them down. So that to me is the biggest surprise we've had yeah. in any game so far. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly because I think we all thought that was a team that was probably going to be knocking on the state championship door. Um, unfortunately, they, like you said, they, caught a team that got hot and unfortunately whatever the reason they you know they came up short in that game i know i think i heard um norwell went for two instead of trying to kick it and tie it and send it in overtime and i think 
you know, that's a flip of a coin. You know, we can all be armchair quarterbacks and say this is what we do, but but that was a tough loss to see. I think the other team, I don't know, dude, what I, I you know, I was a little surprised how well Columbia City did just from the standpoint yeah. of they've always kind of suffered that latter part of the year with the schedule. They overcame that. And then they go down to Norwell, beat them uh, for the NEA championship. And then in the tournament, you know, they, they caught fire. Now they ran into a really good Kokomo team. That team's they yeah. were big, but I don't know what your thoughts on some of that dude as well. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, I think just, you know, looking back and see three SAC teams to make it to semi-state, which doesn't happen very often, uh, I think is impressive too, because I think so much of what we talk about in the SAC is, you know, who's going to win the SAC and, and Carol's there all year. And then Snyder comes up through the years uh, through the year. And then lures who wasn't there all year long in the SAC race goes on this, you know, another great run like they always do. And all of a sudden, we have three Fort Wayne schools. In fact, two of the semi-states will be in Fort Wayne, not too far apart this this uh, this Friday. So with one at Carroll and one at Northrop as, as Snyder hosts as well. So it's exciting in that regard. And I think that was probably surprising to me too because I don't know if I necessarily saw these this many teams getting out of uh, getting to semi-state. And part of that was when we talked about Carroll, just their sectional schedule alone, starting with Penn. You know, it was like, is week one, are they going to get past week one? And and they've been able to live up to the challenge each week and really show that they were, they're there with, you know, pins of the world. They, they knocked off a good Warsaw team, Lafayette Jeff on Friday, holding them off. I mean, so, you know, Carol is getting the job done where it needs to. And I, I, I think that's, that's been good for them uh, as well. So well, that's, yeah, that's a big part of it. One thing that's kind of been strange about it is when you look at Carroll is, you know, historically our 6A schools have always been in a clustered sectional. And then it's always been regional where we have trouble getting a 6A to advance. And that's because our sectional goes down and plays the sectional from the Indianapolis suburbs. Well, this year we had some of our 6A in with those Indianapolis suburbs in the sectional. None of them got out of it. And now Carroll, because they were in sectional two, ended up going and playing um, a team from, well, what would be considered the Northwest, even though mm -hmm. it was Lafayette, it's considered the Northwest, so that they don't go and play an Indianapolis area school until the semi-state. And so this would normally have been the round Carroll, Hamilton, Southeastern that we've always seen in the regional where our teams didn't do well. Uh the fact it's happening in a semi-state, will that change the dynamics? Uh, we'll see. But obviously, it's going to be a test. But just because of the way the brackets were set up, kind of gave us an extra week with uh, with a 6A team still in there, at least an extra week. Yeah. And what's interesting about that, too, is it was pointed out, too, is the fact that the way it was drawn, you know, now Hamilton Southeastern played Homestead in the first round and is now playing Carroll in the semi-state. Yeah. And theoretically, there was a potential there uh, when the ping pong balls were drawn that Homestead and Carroll could have met at semi-state, which would have been really weird. But obviously, that didn't bear out with Hamilton Southeastern, number one in 6A. And that's who Carroll plays this weekend. Um, and so there's you know a lot of good teams left, a lot of good football to be played left. And really... If you're playing this time of year, 
at semi-state with the final four in each class, uh, you're in pretty good company and, and for most right where you want to be and maybe more than you've ever thought you could be uh, in some regards too. Yeah, no question with that. And, you know, I think you, Carol with playing Hammond to Southeastern there, I think they're ranked number one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And uh, so that's a, that's going to be a tough game for Carol. Of course, the weather is supposed to be rather chilly this Friday night as uh, is a custom this time of year. So again, we talk about running the football that has to be a, you know, the priority with these games, you know, you've got to be able to run it and uh, you know, Carol Snyder and lures of and Adam central, you can throw in there can, can run the football Adam central too. They, what they've done thus far. I mean, I was shocked by how bad they beat Carol Flora. Uh, you know, weren't you rump with that game just from the standpoint well, of, you know, if, if we learn anything from history, it's that, that Adam central South Adams, whoever it is that comes out of that ACAC, because they have played two A's and three A's. Sometimes it's a little tougher competition than what they're going to see from teams that come out of the, I don't know what, what, what you would call the North central part of the state or North central dash Western. But, but the point is, um, I, I wasn't shocked. I mean, I, I just thought that it would be a comfortable win. I thought Carol might be a, somebody who could do some damage to the Adam central defense. I thought Adam central still going to score because, you know, you know, and we've talked about this before, Shannon, what Adam central does, they execute so well oh, yeah. that there's no way you can duplicate it at practice. There's no way you can teach your scout team to run it so that you can actually prepare for it. And it is really difficult. It took Snyder a half to kind of adjust to that offense from Mishawaka. And once they did, then the Snyder defense looked like the Snyder defense we've seen all year. But um, but it, but eventually, uh, you know, Adam Central, they just, they just click right down the field. And it's like, if you're going to score almost every time you get the ball, you put so much pressure on the other team. And, and so – Maybe a little bit of a margin that I didn't expect, but I still thought Adam Central was probably going to win that game comfortably. Uh, I will say this real quick, speaking of margins and, and influences in games. One thing I, I want to kind of throw in, because you guys were talking about the Carroll-Lafayette-Jeff uh, game and how they went for it twice on fourth down. And, and here here's a name that is, that's completely out of the blue as far as a – Long shot MVP for the postseason, but Sebastian Lopez. And I'll tell you why. He doesn't even need to kick a field goal and he's impacting the game. First of all, you know, kickoffs that start teams on their 20 almost every yeah, right. I mean, that that for one influences a football game and makes your defense better. And the way he boots it, it's almost always at the 20-yard line. But the other thing is I think maybe something that went into that decision was a lack of confidence that Lafayette Jeff could keep Carroll out of field goal range because they feared the field goal kicker. And yeah. so they felt like if we're going to win this, we're going to have to get six on this drive because we don't want to give Carroll time with the football, uh, an offense that's been moving the ball against us here in the second half and give them a chance to kick a field goal because we fear their field goal kicker. And so sometimes field goal kickers can influence a game, even if they're not out there kicking a field goal. And I think, you know, that's something to at least think about. And I'm, I right. don't, I'm not trying to get into the mind of the Lafayette Jeff coach, but you know, certainly it is something that goes into the analytics 
is how good is the other team's kicker? And how much do we are we concerned that they might be able to kick a field goal if we give them time on the clock? It's kind of, you know, whenever you played Tom Brady, you always worried that if you scored too soon, you were going to lose the game. And it's kind of the same thing if a team has a kicker like Lopez, a two-time all-conference kicker. And, and I will say this, credit to the kickers. Yeah. Because we've had kickers that have been game changers in, uh, in some of these teams. And especially when you look at uh, Carroll and Lures, who are still alive, uh, their kickers are game changers. Bluffton had to start every drive on their 20. Lures was starting at midfield. You know, it was a totally different game. Yeah. Right. Well, hey, man, we thank you for coming on tonight. And uh, I know that we won't see, I won't see you this Friday just because of scheduling conflicts and such. So uh, hopefully we'll get to do a state game together. And well, I, uh, I hope you understand, Shannon, that, you know, <laughs> I, I had a choice to be with you on Friday in 20 degree weather <laughs> or take a trip to Cancun. Yeah. And I, I hope you're not hurt by the fact that I chose Cancun. Well, you know, I am a little, a little personal inside, inside the old heart right now. You'd, you'd be right there with me if I said, let's go to Cancun, Shannon. You'd say, okay, somebody else do color. I'm on my way to Mexico. But uh, no, I'll, uh, I'll be following the Dons. But you know what? I almost can guarantee as soon as the Dons game gets over, I'm right on with the broadcast trying to find out uh, how the Chargers did. So have a great time Friday night. Yeah, all right. That's Brett Rump from 1380 The Fan. You can hear him every day, 4 to 6, on the Sports Rush. And uh, I think we're ready to bring in our next guest here uh, from Snyder High School, Kamari Juarez. And I see him. There he is. Bright and ready. There he is. There's the man of the hour, I I would say. Congratulations on a great game, Kamari. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, uh, Eric and I were talking about, you know, you guys are down 21 at that point. What was kind of the mood on the, you know, of the team being down three scores there in that first, first half? Um, the mood wasn't the best. It wasn't great at all. Everybody was hanging their head low, kind of sad, thinking we were going to lose. But, um, for the most part, the seniors, we kept our heads high and, um, went into halftime with a good mindset and talked to everybody and got everyone's minds right and came out in the second half playing Snyder football. Well, tell me about the – I think what changed the game for you guys. I think this was the game changer. This is what changed the momentum completely. And we've I've talked about the specialness of special teams, whether it's kicking the ball into the end zone like many people are doing and able to or getting that big return or a block punt. You had the big kickoff return, 80 yards – Tell us about that play, what you kind of saw after you received the – you caught that kick. Um, We've been working on a, a new scheme all, all, all week in practice, so specifically for their type of kickoff. Um, and when I caught the ball, I just told Brandon Logan to leave me and put him to leave me and try to find a hole. If not, to block somebody and to tell me to go and I will find my own hole, my own yeah. catch right so that's what he did, and I let him block somebody. Then I got in the middle, like the little – the pocket area of what I was saying. Yeah. Like right there, and then I just looked to the right. I don't know. <laughs> and then – Well, that was a uh, that was a game changer. 
and nobody was going to catch you in this instance. And, um, you know, that's what I would say. You're that type of player. You are, you can switch, you can switch a game. You can, you've got, I call it uh silent speed. I don't think people realize how fast you are at times, but they find out real quick uh, how fast you are. Uh, whether it's running routes or, you know, uh, kickoff returns and things of that nature. What, uh, uh, Eric, you got any questions for them? Yeah. Kamari? Well, first of all, I think, you know, you talked about things were down on the sidelines and then you came out with that big return. How did that really reinvigorate that team? Because you go on that 35-point run after that and, and really pull away at the end with the 41-27 to 27 regional victory. What was the sidelines like after that and really how people were able to kind of refocus in real time? Um, really, I just feel like it gave everybody hope and put everybody on notice that our was not ending on that day. So after that, the sideline, everybody was upbeat and ready to play ball from now, from then on. Sure. Talk about this season. Um the way you guys have bared, you know, the first two games, that close one with Northside, the loss to Carroll, and then you go on this run that that is continuing now. And you guys have looked really solid, clicking on really all three phases of the game, and especially offensively and, and defensively. Your relationship with uh, Luke Hoppert, I mean, just talk about how that's grown. The, the You know, you two guys being together, getting the reps together, and really um, – how that's kind of fueled what you guys have been able to do uh, and, and bring this Snyder uh, team back to, to uh, winning championships. Um, so me and Luke, we've been basically building chemistry since the end of seventh grade going into eighth grade through traction, seven on seven football. So basically we both came into Snyder. We already knew each other and we already had somewhat of a chemistry. So over the past four years, we've just been, we've just been building on it and, growing closer and um, really um, doing that with the rest of our teammates and basically just letting everybody feel know that they're welcomed and that we love everybody as a Snyder football team. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. What, what can you tell us a little bit about Valpo? Um, I haven't watched much film on them, but from the film I saw – um, they're a pretty, pretty good team. And from what our coaches say, from the past times they played them, they was always, they've always given a hard fought in battle and they play to the last whistle. So it, it is no, it's not a game we should take lightly or we should take no plays off. So if we want to win and we want to make a state run, like we, like a goal we have set for our, our senior class, then we got to come out and we can't play a first half like we did against Mishawaka or Northside, we have to come out and we have to do the best we can from the first whistle to the last. Sure, Kamari, uh, neck up, not to get too far ahead, obviously, because you guys are still playing, but, uh, go, you know, you've committed to Eastern Michigan. Uh, just talk about that process for you and, and really how, you know, you've kind of found a home at, at Eastern and, and really – what that recruiting process has looked like with you and the conversations that you've had with the coaching staff uh, up there at Eastern Michigan? Um, I actually haven't committed, but um, – Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. But um, 
I understand what you were saying. Talk they about the recruiting process in general, just about what uh, what that's looked like for you, how you've been able to, um, you know, take that feedback from the different coaches that you've talked to along the way and apply that to, to getting better at your game. Um, the coaches I've talked to, they've been real supportive and letting me know that they're, that they're watching me and that they want to see me do the best that I can. And um, I'm just trying to show the coaches what I can do and that I can produce for a good team and well for any team I can produce. Basically that's it. Sure. What's the, uh, if, if you had to pinpoint the best part of your game, what kind of separates you from maybe some of the other receivers in the SAC? What what would you turn to first and say, this is what makes me uh, so good? And, and really what, what you continue to work on and, and how you've been able to improve in the last year or so? Um, I say the thing that separates me from other receivers is my ability to track the ball and to win 50-50 ball situations. Sure. How special has it been to play with this Snyder group and really what you've been able to accomplish this year? I know you guys have gone the sectional drought for three years now to get the some hardware, sectional, regional title. How special is that to see what this team's been able to do this year and really it all coming together this late in the season? Um, it, feels, it feels good. It's very special because coming from last year and the sectional loss to Dwanger, um, our, our senior class was, last year which was juniors last year after the season last year we all worked we all worked in the weight room and outside of the weight room to get better and um we just set a goal we set a goal last year and our goal was to make it to the state championship and to not be cut short like last year so basically we just this whole season from the summer until now we've been getting better week by week day by day just to make sure that our season isn't cut short like last year. Well, Kamari, we certainly thank you for coming on tonight on Upon Further Review and just talking a few minutes about the Snyder Panthers season and their run here in the postseason uh, as you get ready for the big semi-state uh, this weekend against uh, Valparaiso as they come to town. And uh, we certainly wish you the best of luck, and it's been an exciting year to watch you, and we wish you best uh, in your future as well. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you, thank, you, thank you for having me. All right. That was the talented Snyder wide receiver, Kamari Juarez. Uh, and uh, great, uh, great showing again Friday night for he and his Panthers as they move on to semi-state. And we'll certainly uh, keep our eye on that action. And from one semi-state coach to the next, we look at Class 2A. And we're going to talk a little bit about Bishop Lewis football. Uh, and we'll bring in now uh, another talented uh uh, player who plays on both sides of the ball, uh, Nick Thompson, joining us from the Bishop Lures Night. Uh, first of all, Nick, uh, thanks for joining us tonight here on Upon Further Review. Yeah, appreciate you for having me. Yeah, so another big run for for this Lures team. You guys get the sectional and the regional trophy uh, last Friday night against Bluffton. Um, just talk about this team. You know, you guys battle through and, and finish 500 in the SAC and now make this long run in the tournament that continues to go. I mean, what uh, has been the ability for this team to turn the page and, and turn that corner? What what was it about this team this year that uh, you guys have been able to have the, the success late in the year? Um, yeah, this team has just been really resilient. You know, we're hard on the process. You know, we're just trying to, 
go out there and take nobody lightly, trying to go out there and just play as hard as we can for all 48 minutes so that we can come out with good wins, you know, make sure that we're playing hard the whole time. And basically, yeah, just not taking anybody lightly and make sure we come out and give 100% every time. Sure. I know, uh, you know, we often talk about the SAC schedule and how some of the smaller teams, so to speak, Lures, Concordia, uh, some of them that, you know, the effects that it has on a deep postseason run. Talk me through that. I mean, you live that. Coming out of that SAC, I mean, how does that schedule, that slate, those games, that competition, how does that set you guys up? And really, a lot of the other SAC teams up for a for a deep run and what you guys have been able to do this 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 season? Uh, definitely prepares us like condition wise. So we'll be in games with bigger schools and they have so many players that can definitely come in and give a whole bunch of like support to them. We're running a lot of Ironman football, you know, with players playing both sides. So it's more so just having that fatigue factor and making sure that we it helps us to run and be able to play against those teams that aren't really used to those type of situations throughout the season. So. Hey, Nick, Coach Griffith here. What uh, what side of the ball do you like to play, or what the side of the ball do you see you playing uh, being a University of Toledo commitment? Um, I like defense a lot, and I love hitting people. But <laughs> I've always felt like I was better at offense, but it just didn't, you know, it didn't translate. So mm-hmm. I'm just fine with hitting people on defense. Yeah. Well, you've got 954 yards in receptions thus far. And here's a kickoff. I believe you took back against uh, East side. And uh, I think that was a pretty easy run there for you. What, uh, what is your university of Toledo looking as you at you at? Uh, they're looking at me at safety. Okay. So they believe that I can come down and uh, they believe in my hidden ability. They say I, I make a lot of good form tackles and I'm good in the open space and making those tackles and that I can basically cover and play any of their DB positions. So, Well, we saw there with the good reaction to the pass and getting a interception against East side. And then here's Stansky throwing up one to you and uh, – Talk a little bit about your passing offense, because I know at the beginning of the year, it was, you know, you were kind of missing in the equation, but as the season came progressed along, all of a sudden now you were seeing the ball quite a bit. Yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't really anything that really changed. Our passing offense has basically been the same since the beginning. It was mm-hmm. just me, you know, working and getting into the groove of the game. I feel like over as the season went on, I got really good at finding my open spots and uh, having that chemistry with Charlie and making sure that we know which routes are going to be open against different teams and different coverages, stuff like that. Yeah, well, you're definitely a mismatch up for anybody on the outside, that's for sure, as we see some of your statistics here and uh, being an all-around player offensively, defensively, and special teams. Have you had a chance to look at Andrean on film any? Uh, yeah, we looked at him a little bit on Saturday morning. So I got to see just various little like instances of them, but none too special right now. What was? Did you get any takeaways from them? Because they're 
they are, I believe, uh, the number two ranked team in the in the state not at nine and three. And you guys are going to go play them up there, which is not an easy, easy task. What what can you tell us a little bit about them offensively? Um, them offensively, they have you know, they got big guy uh, Drake Bowen, but he really mm. just out there running really hard. So it's just about us being able to stop their running attack. And then they have a couple of receivers out wide that can make some big plays. So we just want to stay ready on the in the secondary and make sure that we uh, stop their running attack pretty fast. Yeah, you talked about the Bowen kid. He's a senior, got 1,300 yards, averaging about 7.1, 7.3 yards a carry, 21 TDs on the season thus far. And then at Whiteout, they have a Clark uh, Clax uh, kid that's got over 1,000 yards receiving. So they do have some big-time players, don't they? Yeah, definitely. Now, when will you guys take off for that game? Are you guys leaving school uh, earlier on on Friday or how what's the trip up there because you I guess they would be an hour behind us I think so they haven't really he hasn't really told us anything about like the trip or when we're going to take off it's just been like rumors of us like leaving early uh, on Friday afternoon but mm-hmm. right now it's just a two and a half hour three hour um, charter bus trip for, for yeah Yep. That's always the, that's always the tough one now that you got to get on a bus and travel a little further than you're normally used to. So I'm sure the coach Lindsay will have you guys primed and ready for Friday night. And, uh, Eric, you got anything else here for Mr. Thompson question wise? Uh, just, yeah, just one thing, you know, just how special has it been to, to be part of this lures program the last four years and kind of see them, where they've gone. I know you guys went down to state a few years back and, and, and now to be on the cusp of that again, I mean, just talk about this program and, and really coach Lindsay year in, year out, getting you guys ready and getting you a chance to get to this point and, and the players doing it on the line. Just how special is this team and what they're able to accomplish? Uh, this team is very special. You know, we came in as freshmen and we believed that we could at least make it to state win state at least three times. Now we couldn't get it done we couldn't get done my sophomore year when we went to state and we kind of got sidetracked last year we didn't come out with as much fire as we needed to in that sectional championship game this team has been fired up since freshman year these seniors have been primed and ready to lead running behind so many so many great lures players like Brody Glenn and Carson Clark you know they got us ready so it seems been very special been primed for this moment well, we uh, appreciate you coming on and tonight, Nick, and joining us and talking a little bit about Lures. Great to have so many different teams and players and coaches throughout the year, and great to finally uh, catch up with the Knights. And we certainly welcome, wish you the best at the 2A semi-state as you guys travel to Andrean. That's in Merrillville this Friday night uh, for a big semi-state game. The winner of that will head on to state, and we'll certainly be watching and rooting you on and uh, hope to see you guys make it down to Indy. Uh, but good luck this Friday. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Nick. Good luck, buddy. That was uh, Nick Thompson from Bishop Lures joining us on a pond for the review with a little player profile. And uh, coach, uh, you know, this Lures team, we, we talked to Nick a little bit about it. The, the, the ability to, to go through that SAC schedule and mm-hmm. see the light at the end of the tunnel and the postseason arrives and, 
And now we see this special run from Bristol Brewers. Um, and uh, they're primed. I mean, Nick talked about it. They've wanted to do this three years in a row. And, right. and now they have an opportunity to, to, to continue on and get down there again, uh, get down to Indian win state per, potentially this year. Uh, this is a really talented lures teams. that has a really balanced offense and a great, uh, great defense that's finding itself. And I, I think this, this team is uh, uh, a great one that's come out of our area this year. Yeah. I mean, outside of Nick, you know, the, you know, Hogue and, uh, Jimenez, Gio, uh, those two guys are talented players as well. They're getting the job up, done up front and establishing, like I said, a running game. Because I think in the sack, they had a hard time really running the football with any consistency. You know, he talked a little bit about last year. Um, they just ran into a, a very hot, you know, east side team with Laban Davis. I mean, that, you know, um, a lot of teams ran into him last year and couldn't yeah. get getting beat. But um, yeah, I, I, you know, they got a tough one to go to Andrean and he talked about a couple of their players up there that I just mentioned, you know, the Bowen kid, I believe is a running back up there and he is a tough kid and he's been a tough kid for the last few years up there. And, you know, their quarterback is Henry. He's a senior total for almost 1800 yards, 73 completions. Um, 22 TDs and only three INTs. So, you know, they're going to face a very balanced team that can run it and throw it. Um, so they'll have their hands full with Andrean. Yeah. Andrean, the reigning state champion from a year ago, they beat East side uh, by a field goal by three points in that semi state. Uh, and uh, yeah, four, 17 to 14 uh, last year. Uh, oh, and so, you know, this, this, this Andrean, another team that really, especially in class two, a, um, you know, talk about private, the private Catholic schools that succeed as well. This is another team that year in and year out comes in and is ready to play. And this should be a fun one up, uh, in Northwest Indiana, the region on Friday night that, uh, uh, could, could, uh, be a real whale of a game with some talented players out there. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know what the success factor is with Andrean, whether or not if they have another successful run here, does that mean they move up to 3A mm -hmm. the following year? I think being in 2A has, has been very beneficial yeah. for uh, a Bishop Lures because I think when they move up, I, it was a few years ago, I believe, right. they were 3A, um, maybe wasn't as uh, kind to them in that respect, but look, they're going to have their chances Friday night. If they go up there and not turn the ball over, do the things that they've been doing, they'll be right in the thick of things. That's for sure. Yeah. And the run game is key for lures yeah. too, just being able to grind out those games. Cause I think Stansky's put up big numbers all year. He's over 2,100 yards passing, but I think the running game for lures too, has been able to come and they don't have one definitive running back that jumps right. off the page. For them, it's kind of running back by committee. And I think like that's what we saw at Bluffton against Bluffton Friday night. It was a big in that regard. So I think uh, that should be a fun one. A lot of playmakers on both sides and both teams, and um, especially in the two-way when you get in guys that are playing both ways all game long, that should be an interesting side of things. Well, we can go ahead, Coach, if you want and look at some of the other games that are going on this weekend. Yeah, um, we got a chance. Now that we're down the sun, we can talk a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, we'll start with the uh, the bigger classes and, and make our way to the smaller ones. We'll start with 6A. Carroll gets their first regional championship ever. Uh, they welcome in the number one team in 6A, Hamilton Southeastern, uh, who comes in undefeated as well uh, in the North Semi-State here out at Carroll uh, Stadium. And, Coach, this, you know, this is a big one again, too. I mean, they're all big at this point, but the, uh, the opportunity for Carroll to host a semi-state for the first time ever. It's first time playing at semi-state. First, They'll be able to host it, welcoming in a really good Hamilton Southeastern team. Uh, it's quite the challenge on their hand, but I think week in and week out all season long, Carroll has lived up to those big challenges in, 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 in the teams that they play. Well, right now, Sagarin's got them about a 13-point underdog to the Royals, who've had a phenomenal year as well. And, you know, you look at their team, they're led by uh, Bradle, their quarterback. He's thrown for about 1,500 yards, only thrown five INTs. Uh, Alexander is a junior. He's a running back that's got over thir almost 1,300 yards. And they've got several receivers out that they throw to. So, you know, they're going to see a little bit of a mirror image of themselves. Um, you know, Homestead played Hamilton Southeastern uh, week one of the sectionals, didn't fare as well. Um, you know, at this time of year, I, and what I've seen Carol do thus far, and I know, you know, with Owen Sheely and the things that have evolved with that and how this team has really rallied around that, you know, that uh, sad situation, you know, Owen passing last spring last spring summer they're really a team that right now i think is going to be hard to beat I, I you know i just think they've got so much belief within what they're doing they make the plays at the right time um uh you know sullivan's playing beyond his years and here's a kid that's a sophomore and he's doing he's playing probably some of his best ball and i think their defense is really really been their backbone all year long. Yeah, absolutely. Braden Steely, a, a name that we've heard about all year long. His, you know, 13 yeah. tackles Friday night against uh, Lafayette. Jeff, two uh, he throws in there a rushing touchdown, a guy that can get it on both sides of the ball. Ashton Pasetsky. Yes. I know uh, some of his family members were reaching out to us on social media. Make sure you know about this kid, and he's been wonderful for them. Another double-digit tackle night, a lot for loss. Um, his mom's a teacher over. His mom's a teacher over at, at Manchester University. She's okay. a teacher. So, yeah, he. What a year he's had. Now he's only a, he's only a junior, but right. he has been a very pivotal component of their pass rush in the number of sacks and he really has a high motor i think and uh i think on friday night last week he had again had another uh, another really good game yeah i mean and it really goes down the line i mean uh, cam hirschberger you know he's his ability to to get open and find and he's you know he's maybe not going to put up 100 receiving yards a game and mm -hmm. three touchdowns but he's just there's so many different weapons on this Carroll team that can that can get you at any moment and offense and defense. And I think that's what's uh, been really great about this team and, and, you know, their ability to, you know, you know, they've won the big games and now they're being challenged in those squeaks mm -hmm. and they've won those games, too, you know, against right. Northside and, and Snyder this year and now Lafayette Jeff at at their place. And so. You know, to go on the road 
a long road trip at, at the regional level and do what they were able to do. Now you come home and uh, it should be a fun one out two, at uh, Carroll Stadium. Two pivotal wins of the year. And I think Doug alluded to this when we had him on a couple weeks ago. He said, you know, to get down to the state tournament, you got to go into hostile environments and win. They did that at Penn. And they've done that at Lafayette, Jeff. Um, and now they get the home home field advantage for Friday night. And like you said, I think offensively they're spreading it around a little bit, and that gives them a, a huge advantage. I mean, I think they uh, Jaden Hill had a big game this past Friday night for them as well. Yeah, so that one should be a great one out at Carroll uh, as the number one team, Hamilton Southeastern, comes to town to face the Carroll Chargers. Another one not too far down the road, Coach. We talked about it a lot with Kamari Juarez earlier on the show. The 5A North Semi-State uh, at Spooler Stadium at Northrop High School where Snyder plays their home games. They welcome in the Valparaiso Vikings who uh, come out of, of regionals with a big win over Maryville, a 15-14 to 14 point, uh, win, a one-point win uh, there, Coach. And, uh, you know, this is another one that, uh, you know, Snyder, we thought that they could get to this point just by the virtue of the way that they've been playing the second half of the season. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Snyder jump goes to semi-state automatically, you know, after week two, but they really have played themselves into this situation with uh, great offense and lights out defense. And that's the recipe you need to make a deep run uh, in the postseason. Well, first and foremost, Valpo beat Maryville, which was the big upset in that respect. So uh, kudos to them for going, you know, beating Maryville because I think Maryville had a team that they thought was going to go a long way. You know, right now, Snyder is uh, a 14-point Sagarin, uh, Sagarin rating point spread right now is about 14. You know, one thing that stuck out to me when I was looking at some statistics today Snyder is a over the, uh, I believe for the season right now, they are a plus 16 in turnover margin. That's phenomenal. I mean, that is, you know, right. It has to be one of the top turnover margins in the state. Yeah. And if they can continue to do that, um, they're going to be a team that's going to be very hard to beat if they can pick up extra possessions and stuff. And, um, you know, the two headed monster at tailback with level and a Buchanan, uh, we talked about Kamari and his abilities on the outside. Don't forget the Billingsies as well. Ferks, who's who's kind of found his way into some big plays here of late last couple of weeks. So, um, and I tell you, who's playing well for them defensively? You know, Rohrbacher. He's only a junior. He leads them in tackles, um, but their their defense is just a very good Snyder defense. I mean, just overall, after two years of kind of you know, trying to find the right ingredient, so to speak. Some of the kids that played early on as sophomores, now they're seniors. Yeah. And, and they're playing like it. Yeah. Another talented uh, defender that, that has really come on is Brandon Logan, just a sophomore, right. a Vanderbilt baseball commit uh, <laughs> who kind of plays that center field uh, on the Snyder defense at safety. And coach, just real quick, if you maybe could touch on it a little bit, the wishbone style of uh, watching some of the broadcasts and, and, and recaps of, of the game on Friday, the safety position on that, that wishbone 
against that. That became a crucial area. And mm-hmm. Snyder, that's where it kind of started for Snyder with their defense, Brandon Logan doing that, the kind of the spying of the running back and who has the ball. That's such an intricate part of defending that that wishbone style of offense. Yeah, you got to have him. He's got to clear the quarterback most of the time because the quarterback is a, you know, it can be an unaccounted player in the wishbone. So you have everybody assigned to an assignment. And I think that showed up in that first half where they just were not, you know, reading their keys correctly. And Mishawaka was just, you know, five, seven yards of carry. Um, but in the second half, I think that also became something that they got used to. They kind of got themselves, you know, confidence in it. And then they really played lights out from that point on. I mean, they shut them out. So, um, but yeah, Logan's been playing well of late. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so Snyder comes in, uh, they will host Valparaiso at the neck at, at semi state. Interesting note. I was talking about this to somebody the other day because I was at a student at Snyder at the time. Last time uh, Snyder and Valpo played was the semi-state at Spooler Stadium in 2002. And that Valpo team had won Jeff Samarja, who went on to go play for Notre Dame and then the Chicago Cubs. And the Snyder defense was able to shut him down and uh, move on to state. Of course, Panthers were going to lose to Ben Davis in in that one. But uh, uh, those were were some exciting times. I think one of those semi-state games – uh, had a snow snowball, uh, if I remember correctly. So those were so so. It's been 20 years since those te- teams have met, but uh, that be kind kind of became a rivalry uh, in the early 2000s uh, between Snyder and Valpo. Looking at the two A semi state, we have Bishop Lewers traveling to Andrean, that's outside of Merrillville, to take on the Fighting 59ers, the Class 2A state champions from a year ago. And, uh, Coach, this is going to be an old-fashioned Donnybrook between two uh, powerhouse programs in Class 2A. Uh, The long bus ride for Lures, the time change, the whole nine yards, getting out of school early, uh, perhaps. uh, But, you know, I think Lures will be ready for the challenge. It's just physically, you know, how these two teams will match up against each other. Yeah, it'll be a tough assignment. Uh, gaining an hour going there from a bus perspective, I think, is huge because it gives them a chance to uh, get there a little bit earlier as and get themselves, you know, mentally focused and stretched out and all those things. But we've talked, you know, quite a bit when we talked to Nick about this one, and I think we both agree that bottom line is Lures has got to be able to run the football and have some balance and uh, keep the, you know, keep andrean at bay because they've got some weapons yeah absolutely their quarterback henry last name henry uh first name billy billy henry uh with uh over 1700 passing yards 22 touchdowns and just three interceptions so they're able to keep uh take care of the football uh which is very important when you talk about the turnover margins uh in any game particular but especially uh at the semi-state level uh, and we'll go ahead and move on then to the Class 1A matchup. Uh, one other team from our area, not inside of Fort Wayne, but definitely in the area. Adams Central uh, travels to North Judson, San Pierre. Most of the time you'll just hear them called North Judson. They're the number four team in the state. Adams Central comes in number two. Uh, Adams Central undefeated 13-0 and has cruised really to this point, Coach. 
Um, and then now they face another tough matchup uh, of a top, top top four team in North Judson that sits at 12 and one. Yeah, their first chance to get out on the road and uh, take their show on the road. North Judson, I believe, runs a similar style of offense as Adam Central. Adam Central, I looked at, I think, kind of their last three ball games. First and foremost, turnover margin, they're a plus 10 over the last four ball games. Uh, averaging 45 and a half points a game, only giving up about 11 and a half. Uh, they've been great on third down and fourth down. And, you know, they're doing what Adam Central has done all year. I mean, they, you know, they're a broken record to a certain degree with everything, <laughs> with black. And, yeah. you know, they've got some good players. And, um, but this will be a good test for them. Because, um, you know, not to look past North Judson, you know, what they may face is a possible rematch again. But, um, uh, this one will be a dandy. Yeah, this is the third time in five years that Adam Central has crossed the 13-win threshold. Um, in 2020, they went eight and three. The other seasons, 13 and one, 12 and two, 13 and two, and now sitting at 13 and zero at semi-state. That 35 to nothing shellacking of Carroll of Flora at regional. I mean. Northfield 41 to 13 South Adams, their rival in the sectional semis 55 to 20 Southwood, the TRC champions 56 to 14. So this team has been a mission on all year long, just under 47 points a game. Their defense just giving up uh, just under 11. And part of that was the 20 against South Adams and the 20 twice this year. Uh, but you know, this is a solid team all around. They were the state runners up a year ago. They have all intents and purposes of getting their back, getting back there again this year as far as their goal. Um, and so they have that one more step to get there. And then, um, but certainly can't pass up North Judson. They're there for a reason. Uh, a, a team in the northern part of the state, their offense, 46.5 points per game, right. 8.6 on defense. Their lone loss to Laville this year in overtime you're seeing 60s and 52s and 45s, uh, 74 in there for North Judson. So this is definitely, I think these are probably two teams that are very similar in, you know, they play the 1A, 2A schedule and blown out a lot of teams. Now two teams that blow out other teams get to play each other. Right. And something's got to give. And so it's going to be really interesting to see. Well, Looking at the Sagarin ratings on this one, it's a one-point differential between Adams Central and North Judson. That's how close they are. Um, it this one, I uh, I don't I don't know. I I, I go back and forth. Is this going to be one of those high-scoring games? Whoever has the ball last, mm -hmm. or is this going to be uh, a um, defensive battle where you know offenses really struggled during the uh, during the game to move the ball? You know, that's kind of what I'm not quite sure what type of game we're going to get here but between these two teams because they're both used to scoring points. That's the interesting point. And like you said, something's got to give. So, um, you know, can Adam Central's defense rise to the occasion? Uh, we're going to find out um, on Friday night. But I, I find Adam Central, man, they're just – I think they're another team that's just got a lot of confidence – and uh, have a lot of faith in what they do on both sides of the ball. Certainly. And that wraps up the semi-state 
rundown here. We have four teams remaining from our area. 6A, 5A, 2A, 1A. Three from Fort Wayne, three from the SAC. Should be exciting Friday night, Coach. And uh, certainly uh, we're looking forward to all the games. Of course, you can catch our show uh, any way you get your podcast. We have our video podcast, obviously, here every Wednesday night at 7 uh, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter. If you want an audio version of the podcast, just search upon for the review SAC. It always helps to put that SAC part in there. Um, and you know, anywhere, Amazon music, Spotify, Apple podcasts, you can find us there. And if you're want to catch us on the old fashioned radio dial every Wednesday night at eight uh, o'clock, we're on 1380, the fan and 100.9 FN. So tune in there. Uh, just a, an encore presentation really of, of our podcast here. So you can listen again, if you'd like, uh, some of us tend to do that and coach, uh, it's been a, another fun week. Uh, we still have, like I said, four teams left, and hopefully we can get some of them down to Indianapolis for the state finals uh, in a week from now, and we're, we're talking about those games next week, but should be a fun Friday night. Yeah, and like I said earlier, we're, we're hopeful that we're going to be able to do the Hamilton Southeastern at Carroll uh, on Friday night. Caleb Hatch will be joining me. I'm not quite sure if that is going to be a stream-only uh, game or we will be on the the airways but stay tuned for that announcement but yeah it's been it's been a great year up to this point hopefully you know this friday night it's going to be a little chilly from what i'm gathering <laughs> on the weather uh yeah. could be in the teens by the time we get through the night so you know bundle up warm if you can't venture out catch us on the on the on the radio we'll be there with uh uh, Caleb Hatch and myself calling it as Rump gets a suntan down in Cancun. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, that's great, too. Just a side note, that's pretty cool that PFW gets to go down there and take oh, yeah. part in some of those tournaments uh, in Cancun, Mexico, of all places. So safe travels to the Dons and to Brett Rump, and uh, uh, we look forward to the call with Caleb and, and Coach on Friday night. Well, for Coach, I'm Eric Dukevich, better known as Dude. Thanks for joining us this week on Upon Further Review. Until next week. Enjoy the games on Friday night, and best of luck to our area teams. Good night.